Amen. You may be seated. What a wonderful word for us, the wonder of the cross. The word that came to me is the, all who gather here by grace. It is God's grace that brings us together. So welcome here this morning from me. I'm uh, Pastor Reg Taves, the transitional lead pastor here at Forest Grove. It's great to be together with you at Attridge. So welcome here. If you're a guest here this morning, we especially want to welcome you here as well. We're continuing on in our series in the book of Acts, so if you have a Bible with you or your app on your phone, or if you have some way to look this up, it's uh, Acts chapter 3. We're going to be doing the whole of chapter 3 in the first four verses of chapter 4 this morning. So it's a large chunk, but it's really one story. It's one particular section in the book of Acts. In this series, we are investigating the birth of the early church and the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And today, one of the questions that's going to arise, and I just, I'd love to just speak the elephant in the room, because if you look at the text, somebody gets healed in this text. We'll look at it in a minute. But the question may be for you this morning, what does God actually still heal today? Does God heal today? And it's a, it's a great question. And there's people, if you can go on the internet, just put it in a Google search, and you'll find all kinds of thoughts and ideas around this. But I want you to know that I believe that God still heals today, that God is active today, that we don't demand God to heal, but we also need to remember to ask him to heal us when we're sick. And personally, I mean, I find that, you know, I get sick and it's like, well, I'm just sick. It's okay. And I don't think about praying right away. And it's usually something's got to jar my mind to say, Reg, have you prayed actually about this? Have you invited other people to pray? And we usually we do that for like what we would say is, you know, like big things. But it's like God actually calls us to pray for healing, not just physically, but in lots of other ways as well. So I'm more interested this morning in actually looking at why does God heal today? Why does God heal today? Like that, that to me is the question around that we need to grapple with this morning, and we will out of this text. So I believe that God heals today, but let me share a story with you. I traveled a number of years ago to Thailand, and I was there serving with a group, a trek team, which are a part of a Multiply ministry, and Multiply is the ministry that we support here at Forest Grove Community Church. It's part of our Mennonite brethren family, and we're in all kinds of parts of the world. But in Thailand, we have a ministry there, and we were ministering to a relative, or in a relatively new church, and sharing the gospel, and just going around and being with people and praying for them. That's really how we started. We just simply come in and get to know people, and then is there anything we can pray for? And that's where we began. And so we drove, I remember we drove by, a, on the highway, we drove by, um, and there were some, <laughs> I said in my notes here, housing, I'm going to say shacks, that were on the side of the highway. I mean, they were, they were just there, and people were living in those, in those places that they had built, literally in the, almost like in the ditch of the highway, and they were living in these places. So we, somebody on our team said, you know, God, God is speaking to me, and we need to go and witness to see who's home and witness to the people there. And I got great, we're, we're going to do that. So we stopped, and we found a place to park, and we went in. We began to meet people, and many of the people weren't there. They were probably out working. It was the middle of the day. But there was a lady who was there, and we began to share and just say, tell us about your life. And so through translation, we were hearing about her life, and she was, this was her home, this is where she lived. She was alone. I don't remember if she had any other family. My guess is she didn't. Uh, and we just said, one of the things we said was, can we pray for you? Is there something that we can pray for? 
And she said, yes, my, I, I can't work right now. And you have to understand, there's no social safety net, folks. If, if you're not working there, you either have a friend who's bringing you food or you're going without. You have nothing. And so she had nothing. And so she said, my arm is, is injured and hurts and uh, I, I can't, I'm not able to go to the fields to work, so could you pray for me? So I remember we began, we prayed over her, and one of the Trek uh, gentlemen said, um, young man said, how are you feeling? Is it, is it feeling better? Well, a little bit. And, and he just said, well, we're not done praying, so we, let's pray some more. So we prayed some more. And at the end of the second round of prayer, we said, how are you, how are you feeling? She said, I have no more pain in my arm at all. None. And we said, that's, we praise God with her. We invited her to, to pray to the one who healed her, uh, to pray to Jesus and say, kid, you want to pray and receive him as your savior? And she did. The next day, she, like, no, the transportation was walking. She was within walking distance of a new church that was starting. She showed up the next morning at church and she would not come empty handed, which I just thought was amazing. So she has nothing. She's literally picked vegetables out of the ditch, like, fr like fresh stuff that's growing just naturally. She picked it out of the ditch and brought it as her sacrifice, her worship to God. I just thought was, that is just so amazing for somebody who has nothing to bring something as a gift. No, we didn't say to bring anything. We always had lunch together, so she joined us and became part of that fellowship. So I believe that God heals today, that he still heals. So we're going to look at this text together. And what I'm going to do this morning, instead of reading the whole thing, because uh, that takes time, I'm going to just read it in sections. So if you want to read the whole thing, that's okay. But we're going to read through it just in smaller pieces and unpack each of those pieces as we look at them uh, this morning. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 to start with. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he, put every, uh, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Let's just pause. So the idea here is just this idea of look at us. Now, you need to know that Peter and John probably walked to the temple daily at the time of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They would go every single day to pray. My guess is they had seen this man over and over and over. He was there every single day. It was said he was put there every single day. His friends would bring him, carry him, set him down there. He would beg. People would come in. And they were watching this and had seen him day after day after day. So what's different about today? You know what's different about today? The Holy Spirit of God spoke to them and said, now is the day this man is going to be healed. It's a bunch of things that we can learn from that. One is we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Like, did God not want to heal him earlier? Yes. Jesus would have gone to the temple. Would he not have healed him? He could have. We don't know. We can't answer all those questions. What we do see is that they're now listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit says, focus in on this man. And I love when Peter says to him, look at us. 
right? Like there's this crowd going in for prayer. It'd be like coming into church on Sunday morning. There's people coming in. And it was like, no, 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 stop and, and focus. So Peter and John stop the crowd. And they say to the man, look at us. Look at us. Because we have something we want to give you. And the man stops thinking, I'm going to get what I get from everybody else. And we're going to get into that in a minute. For those of us who are followers of Jesus this morning, I want you to ask, do do we see God leading us in this way? Do we ask God actually to show us people in our lives who might need him? It's walking in the Spirit, meaning listening and then responding. I know I don't do it nearly enough. To start my day with, Lord, who are you going to bring my way that you need me to do something for them through your Holy Spirit? Am I going to listen to the voice of your Spirit and respond in the way that you want me to respond for that person? And for some people, it could be about giving something physical. For others, it's, it could be something else. So it's just listening to the Holy Spirit would be the first thing I would suggest. Let's continue to read verses 6 to 10. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him up by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Then all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the man, the same man, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What a great story. What I, what I have, I give to you. Verses 6 to 10. Peter wasn't going to give him money, which is what he expected of everybody else, but he was going to give him something far more valuable. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't use our financial resources for God's work. We should to provide for the poor, the widows, the orphans, but that we also have something spiritual and eternal to give. You realize that when when we give money, it's like it goes for kingdom advancement, but when we actually see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and give their life to God, that is an eternal aspect. And so the church has to have these priorities. The priorities need to be both spiritual and physical, and we shouldn't disconnect those. They should remain connected. We do, we do physical things. Yes, we help. In Saskatoon, some of you I know help with the bridge. Others may do all kinds of other things that are very practical and hands-on, and, and I want to encourage you to do that. I also believe that God calls us to be thinking on a spiritual level as well. That these things are interrelated, that when physical needs get met, spiritual needs can get met as well. And so we see this man uh, being healed, and I just, don't you just love his response? He's, He's healed, he's never walked in his life. Born this way from birth, never walked. I just think for him to even try to stand up would be an act of faith. For Peter to reach out his hand and say, stand up, would be an act of faith for Peter. But to say, God is going to heal him, and they reached out and he healed him as he stands, and he responds with worship. 
And I just, as I thought of the story of the lady in Thailand, it just so interconnected with me with this story. Just the response of worship. When God heals us, what is our response when he touches and heals us? We worship him. We actually share what God has done in our lives. I encourage you, I encourage you to do that. Then we have verses 11 to 16. So as, as this has now happened and there's this explosion of worship, here's what happens in verse 11. When the, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our, pow- our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Let's look at this. There's the power of Jesus and faith is seen in this text. Notice the words that are used in this text to describe Jesus. As we look at them, we see there is a growth and a learning that's taking place in the early church as they began to share the work of Jesus. So they use words like Jesus as God's servant, the holy and righteous one, the author of life, the prophet like Moses. So he's, as Peter says these things, he's referring back to Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament words. The miracle of healing occurred through the use and the power of the name of Jesus. Now, we don't put as much stock in names. As a matter of fact, some of us that are born and are given names by our parents, we wonder why they gave us the name they gave us. For many years, I didn't know anybody named Reg. So I felt like, why would my parents name me this crazy name, Reg? And on top of that, I mean, as I've said before, I was called Reggie. And you can't be called Reggie unless you're Reggie Jackson or you're, you know, you're, you're some kind of famous athlete. That was not me. But names in the Old Testament or in the, in the Scriptures have more power than that. There's this intensity that comes with the name. The name actually means something. And in this instance, he uses all these other descriptors. God's servant, holy righteous one, author of life to describe who this person is and whose name we use because we're actually, when we use his name, we're speaking out his power. So there's this use of the power of the name of Jesus. Now, I would also suggest to you, it's not a cultic kind of mantra that we just say over and over and over again, hoping something happens, But we actually say that based on our faith in what Jesus has done and who he is, that is how we live out our lives. So they show Jesus' stature and power. Now here's where we get to that question I asked, why miracles? Why does God do miracles? Because miracles depend on the power associated with the name of Jesus. So we are actually called in Scripture to pray 
in the name of Jesus, meaning in his power and in his will. Saying, so Jesus, what is it that you want? I want to pray the things that you already want. And Jesus did many miracles in his name. And we'll see throughout the book of Acts that the name of Jesus is used to heal and, for, and free people. And the same is true today. That has not changed. The power becomes effective through faith in Jesus. And even faith comes from Jesus himself. The text provides us insight that it isn't just speaking this word over and over, but it is actually placing a faith in the person of Jesus Christ that bring about healing and freedom. And this faith comes to us from God. We put our faith in God and in his Son, and I would suggest also in the Holy Spirit, because they're God three in one. Well, let's continue to look. As you looked at this text, as we read those things, sometimes Peter just keeps sort of rubbing it in. This is what you did. You notice, like he keeps saying, this is what you did. This is what you, and I could imagine, you know, they're like, we're feeling really bad right now. Could you just lay off? But I want you to notice in this next section how Peter calls them to something fresh and new and exciting in verses 17 to 23. He says, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise raise up for you a prophet like me, from among your own people, and you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. So there's two things that I just want to point out from this section for us this morning. The first one is this. Peter calls them to repentance. We've talked about this other times where Peter had a sermon and he said, what, you need, what do we need to do? You need to start with repentance. What is that? It is the act of turning away from one's former way of life and to a new way of life. And Jesus calls us to that. He says, this is not the direction I want you to go. I want you to follow me. Instead of following yourself, following the world, following your peers, it's about following me. It's following this new way of life. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 6.10. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their eyes dull and close, or ears dull and close their eyes. And then this, here's, here's the good part. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And that is God's desire, that we would turn to him, that we would turn and face him. I was reading this morning in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is talking, and and God God says, "They they didn't turn to face me, they turned their back on me. God is calling us today to say, turn and face me. Look at me. I am not going to harm you. I'm not, I'm going to call you to a life of of freshness. And so that second part is that refreshing, which we'll talk to. But Joel also talks about this returning to me. In Joel is another prophet in chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. 
Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. And that's exactly what Peter is telling the people. Repent. The second thing that I want you to notice is that there will be this refreshing as a result of repentance. Sometimes we think if we repent, it's, oh, we're going to feel bad. And actually, it's freeing. I want to tell you that repenting before God is freeing. It's like, God, you already know this. I'm just describing it for you, and I'm realizing how much this has hurt your heart. And I'm saying, I want to turn and face you in a different way. Refreshing is the result of repentance. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. This is the freedom that we have in Jesus that he provides for us. And all of this is done through his work on the cross, taking our sin on himself so that we can be forgiven and set free. So why miracles? What's the purpose of miracles? What, are, what about the signs and wonders we're going to read about throughout the book of Acts? I'm going to suggest to you this morning that it is simply to point people to Jesus and his forgiveness and new life. Jesus heals so that others around go, wow, listen to that. And that's why when, when acts of healing take place, we actually need to witness to those we need to say them out loud. We need to say, I need to tell you what happened in my life. As we speak those out loud, people say, really? God acts like that? Yes, he does. And that's the God that people want to follow and listen to and look forward to connecting with. So the healing wasn't just simply for this man. It was, definitely. Did he experience this great joy and response and he could move that he couldn't before? Absolutely. But there was something else going on here and that everyone who saw it responded to Peter's witness of Jesus because they saw what had happened to this man. When God does a work of healing, it is so that people will turn and say, wow, that's, that's real. That's the real deal. Let's read verses 24 to 26. Indeed, Beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you, meaning the Jews, the Israelites, to bless you by turning each of you away, by turning each of you from your wicked ways. There's this blessing for all people. See, when God does a work of healing, it isn't just for that person, it's for others. When God comes to work in this world, it isn't just for those simply who are in the family, but the family says, we want to grow, we want to develop, we want to become more. So we, we're about sharing and giving out the good news, which is our witness to the community. So here, Peter reminds them of the covenant that goes all the way back to Abraham, which said through Abraham, through the nation of Israel, there will be a blessing for all nations. 
And that's for us today to say, God has called us to be a blessing for all nations. Those of you, those of you who are here watching online, or those of you who are here in person, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is given to be a blessing to all people. All people. That they would receive forgiveness and freedom through Jesus. John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and have it to the full. That's not a few, that's for everyone. Everyone has been invited. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's talk about that first part for, first. Be prepared to give an answer. You know what? The answer can be, I know of somebody who was healed. Or God has healed me in this way. For, for those of us who are followers of Christ, it's God has transformed my life. Here at Forest Grove Community Church, we believe that transformation happens through Jesus Christ. And so when that transformation happens in our lives, we need to actually be sharing that with others and be saying, here's my witness. This is how God is working in my life. This is the healing that he's doing. So as we become more like God and we become uh, living out the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we should be sharing those things with others, how God is ministering to us. The second part of, of Peter is that when, when, we're, when good things are happening and we're sharing them, you and I need to know that there is somebody who just isn't really happy about that. And that is the enemy of God, who is Satan, who brings opposition. So let's read the next four verses in Acts chapter 4, and we'll see that opposition raise its head. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. There, there will be opposition to the message of the good news. Not everybody sees it as good news. There will be this opposition that happens. And God, or Satan, often uses people to do this. In this instance, he uses religious leaders, believe it or not, to do that. And so that's why I would say we always need to be careful when we're living in the, within the church age, which is where we are, within the book of Acts, that we say, where's the opposition coming from? And let's make sure that we're listening to God and following him. And when opposition comes, it shouldn't throw us off. It should be expected. We shouldn't be the cause of it. We should be winsome. Howard Marshall in his commentary says, The church cannot obey orders to give up its most characteristic activity, which is witness to the risen Lord, although it must be prepared to pay the price of its refusal to keep quiet. So we give up our, we say, what's our primary purpose? To witness to the risen Jesus. Will there be a price to pay? Yes. There always has been throughout history. Uh, even as uh, Pastor Kevin shared this morning, we're praying for people, Christians around the globe. We know nothing of persecution here in North America. We think we do. 
And maybe it's coming. I don't know. But we should just be prepared and continue to share the message of the good news of the gospel. So, when we face opposition, and we will, we need to be winsome but resolute in our response. As I've said, transformation only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus' life and teaching, along with all of Scripture, needs to be our guide for living. Jesus is Lord, and because of that, we follow him. And he is a good Lord who loves us and cares for us. As we come to close this morning, I invite the the band to come up. I always ask the question, so what now? What do we do with this text? What, how do we, what do we embrace? What do we say about this? So let me give you some questions to grapple with. I encourage you to go to the discussion questions that are on our website. I know some of our small groups take those and use those. If you want to do it personally, that's great. Uh, but I want to just ask you some questions this morning. For you just to think about, meditate on, consider, maybe even respond to this morning. And the first one is, who is God asking you to as Peter and John were asked to look, said, look at me. Who's God asking you to look at? And I would say, invest in, pray for, speak to. Who is God asking you to? Would you, would you as a group, as a community, as those online, would you commit to finding one person this week? Say, just say, Holy Spirit of God, give me one person to pray for. Give me one person who's in my network one person I work with or who's a neighbor or who I take my kids to school with or whatever, give me one person that I am going to commit to at least, at least start with praying for them. Just begin to pray. First thing. And maybe you're already doing that. So maybe God's saying, maybe what's the next step? How do I, how do I invest in them? How do I actually give, you know, pour out my life to them in sharing about what Jesus has done for me? So that's the first thing. That's maybe enough. But then I would also say and suggest, what do you have to give? When Peter and John were, were there, it was like, what are you going to give this man? He said, well, silver and gold we don't have. Maybe you have. Maybe you have silver or gold. I know that um, I don't live in Saskatchewan, so you guys, get, you guys get money that we in BC don't get. So I had somebody tell me that you actually got some money from the federal government because of the carbon tax. Is that right? All right. So some of you really need that money, and some of you don't. So BC gave us some money a, year, a couple years ago, and I, I won't get to tell you the whole thing because I want to use it in another sermon. But we looked at that and said, we don't need this. What are we going to do with it? So if, if the government gives you money, I want you to take that money and invest it in kingdom. Could you find a way to just invest it in, give it to missions, give it to the bridge, give it something that you're invested in. Maybe you're, you could take a, a, a box, a, a um, Samaritan's Purse child box, and maybe all that money you say, you know what, we could do 10 boxes with it. I don't know how much you got. But you could do, maybe you could do a bunch, just say, we're going to do a whole bunch of boxes with that. But invest it in the kingdom if it's money you don't need. If you need it, absolutely use it. But give it as a way to witness to what Jesus is doing in your life. Lastly, what blessing has God given you? How do you respond with praise and worship? And worship and praise aren't just singing. It's that. But there's so much more to it. It's the way we live. Respond with praise. So I want to encourage you, if God is blessing you in some other way, he's speaking to you, he's healed you, would you respond to that? 
And finally this morning, I would just simply say this. I would be remiss. I would be a very poor pastor if I didn't offer for you this morning that we want to pray for you. If you need healing this morning, that we want to look at you and care for you. This morning, if you're grappling with something, if it's physical, emotional, spiritual, we want to pray for you. And so at the end of the service, we're going to worship, ask God, God, do I, if I need a, a touch of healing, would I be willing to just come forward and just be prayed for? End of our service, no pressure. But we just we want to offer this to you because we believe that God still heals today. Join with me as we pray. Our Father, you are a good God. And this word that we've read through this morning as we read about what the early church was like, we know that you were using miracles and signs and wonders not for the glory of the church, but for the glory of your name. And Lord, it was to bring people to yourself. So Father, I pray that that would be our posture this morning, that we want to see you work in our lives individually, corporately, not for our glory, but for yours, so that people would be healed, would be free. Lord, I thank you for the works of healing that you've done, how you've drawn people to yourself. Lord, I thank you for the blessings that we've received. I pray that we, as a group, would respond to this message this morning that comes from your word with open hands, with open hearts. For we pray this in your name, Jesus.